Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the stories we tell. Just as a reminder, all of these episodes can be found on my YouTube channel, which I'll have linked in the show notes for each episode. Just wanted to put that out there in case you'd rather watch in video form. All right, that said, let's get into it. Mycomaterials is an emerging field in the fungi industry that uses fungi and mycelium to solve a vast array of problems. From sustainable design, to biodegradable packaging, to home and construction, and finally architecture and design. Companies like Ecovative pioneered this industry, but there are hundreds of startups and entrepreneurs expanding on solutions in the space. Today's guests are Jessica Diaz and Catherine Yule, who have been partners in all things mycelium for many years now, and their most recent project is called Fungal Matters, which is an online mycomaterials design course. Catherine comes from a textiles and fashion design background, and Jessica comes from an architecture background, so they bring a wide mix of knowledge and experience to their collaboration. In this episode, We'll talk about this mycelium design course, starting with basics like what are mycomaterials, before moving on to the meat of the course, which gets into things like inoculation, using substrates, and the future of mycomaterials, and much more. We'll also touch on what kind of mushrooms they use in mycomaterial making, ethnomycological uses of mycelium and mushrooms, and finally, We'll get into some new projects for Catherine and Jessica, which includes things like how to use 3D printing in mycomaterials, a mycomaterial surfboard project, and myco leather research. A couple housekeeping notes before we get into the episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, a rating or review is much appreciated, and if you're not subscribed already, then what the hell are you doing? Um, you can email me at remarkablemushroomemporium at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at remarkablemushroomemporium. Um, apologies for the delay in this one. It's been a busy couple months for me. Um, I'm actually working on a novel, a fantasy novel, that um, uses mushrooms in its magic system. So hopefully that intrigues you. It'll be a while before I'm uh, ready to share that, but I've also got a blog post ranking all the books I've read this year that's on the main website, which is RemarkableMushroomEmporium.com, also linked on my Instagram, so um, feel free to check that out if you're curious. doesn't really have anything to do with, with mushrooms, but thought I'd plug it anyways since it's on the website. So um, all that being said... Let's get into my conversation with Jessica and Catherine.
welcome in everybody we're here with episode seven uh myco materials i've got Catherine and jessica who are working on a project called fungal matters and um, we're going to talk with them about myco materials as well as a myco materials design course that they have put together recently um and yeah uh so Catherine and jessica um i guess either of you can answer this question but um, first of all, how are you doing? <laughs> and second, uh, can you just tell us what are mycomaterials at a basic level? Jess, <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing wonderfully here in Barcelona. <laughs> um, well, mycomaterials are materials that are made using mycelium, or this is how we perceive them to be. So, for example, a mycocomposite is something using uh, different substrate materials binded together with mycelium, but you can also have, you can also consider like a mycelium skin or um, mycelium leather as a micromaterial as well. Right, Catherine? Yeah, <laughs> just basic level it is using mycelium to create materials um, to either make forms, products, packaging, artworks, like there's a lot of different applications for mycelium as a yeah, as, as a material. Great. Yeah, there's a whole lot that sounds like you can do with it, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, so then uh, second question is just, um, I'd love to hear about this mycomaterials design course that um, you are currently in the process of finishing. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about that and maybe how what you're teaching in that course might differ from what you would learn in say a mushroom cultivation course in general? Yeah, so the course, first of all, we've been working on this course for a while. We're both busy, busy people doing a lot of different things and we live in very separate countries and spaces. But this course we originally taught, we used to teach in person uh, together. And when I lived in Spain, where I worked with Jess at the lab at Esbiotica, which you can tell you about later as well, our project there. But um, yeah, so eventually I was no longer living in Spain, but rather visiting periodically to do projects if there were like things that we wanted to do together or grant based things. Um, and we decided to film one of our workshops and start an online version of this course. And yeah, there are many reasons why this is different than a mushroom cultivation course. First of all, we are not mycologists by any means. We're just self-taught in a lot of these practices. So we're sharing like processes that have worked for us. And I think there are many different ways that people can approach mycelium-based materials is a very experimental field. And we're really aiming our knowledge here towards almost like our past selves, I think, like towards students of design. And um, one of the reasons being that especially, and I'm not sure if this is the case like in the US, for instance, but in Spain, it definitely seemed to be the case that a lot of schools that were based in like architecture studies or like design studies were really pushing biomaterials and at the time it was like nobody even the instructors had the answers to like what are we doing so it was just jumping in fully blindly reading a lot of like 
psilocybe species cultivation and try to like use that uh, knowledge to then translate it into making materials. But another reason that this is quite different is that we're not really concerned with the fruiting, um, with the fruiting aspect of making uh, of the cultivation process. We are just concerned with the mycelium part. So there are different parameters that you can like tweak and work with to not allow your your substrate to fruit, to create different foams, for instance. And those aren't the same parameters that you're going to need to work with if you want to be fruiting mushrooms for like edible mushrooms or medicinal mushrooms, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, so also just to continue as, um, as Kat was saying, other things that um, the course provides is like learning how to design with the material. So how do we make molds for the mycelium's optimal growth? Um, at which point do we decide to dehydrate it? Do we allow it to, to, to fruit? Because sometimes we, we actually want um, the mycelium to, to have fruiting bodies. Um, and also the different types of substrates. We also encourage people to look um, at their what's around them, what's local to them, um, and see if they can, if that can be like a structurally integral integrity. <laughs> um, for example, we use hemp because it's a, it's local to, to Barcelona, but for example, somewhere like Cuba, where there's a, um, an abundance of sugarcane, which is another research that I've been doing at the moment, has very similar properties. Um, and that can be a great, um, substrate to use as well. So it's just exploring, it's helping people understand um, how they can manipulate the material and the, the growth processes to be able to achieve different properties um, for the final um, end product. Great. Yeah, I think that's a, an excellent overview. And um, like you said, I think, uh, you know, being self-taught mycologists or citizen scientists is, is something that's really common in mycology, which is really awesome to see. Um, but hey, don't let it limit yourself. You know, it, that's awesome that you guys are doing uh, a course and, and you guys clearly have a lot of knowledge to share. Um, so one of the questions that came up as I was looking into you um, is just like wondering basically what kind of mushroom species or strains um, are typically being used to create mycelium materials. And um, maybe like if there are different ones that you use for different purposes or some that have different benefits or drawbacks, could you just go over like some of the main ones that you use? Um, so in my practice, I tend to use um, reishi, Ganoderma lucidium. Um, I've also worked a lot with Formus fermentaria, uh, which is the horsehoof mushroom. Uh, turkey tail and oyster was actually the starter culture that we we used. It's oyster um, tends to consume almost anything and it grows very fast. So it's actually a really good uh, culture to start with because you can do a lot of prototyping with it. The drawbacks of that mushroom is that um, the mycelium isn't as strong as, for example, the reishi. Uh, so reishi is probably the most widely used mushroom for mycelium materials. But I think there's like there's so many other um, mushrooms out there that are still yet to be explored. And I think for, for at least for me, like I have, I use whatever I have access to and, and that is what uh, I'm working with at the moment. Kat, I'm sure you've had a, a bit more experience with the different mushrooms, right? 
No, I would say like similarly is starting with oyster mushrooms for prototyping because they're also really accessible. Like you can even do a tissue clone um, from an oyster mushroom. You can find them almost everywhere in the world. So that's an accessible one to start with. They're also, um, yeah, like a bit cheaper to cultivate because they like just said grow almost on anything. So a lot of waste products. And um, the one thing that I did want to say is that there are a lot of different um, types of Ganoderma, so a lot of different types of reishi strains, and there are some that are really interesting, for instance, that like secrete different resins. And that's one um, strain that we've been using to test out different skins because it's kind of an interesting property. And looking at the mushrooms themselves to give you some insight into the properties that you want to have in your mycomaterial is really important. So it's not just about looking at the mycelium. The mycelium actually retains some of those properties. So something that secretes a resin, for instance, a resin is a really hard substance once it's dried. So we know that this is going to likely make a more resistant uh, mycelium material and, um, and especially skin like a membrane, which it uh, creates on top of the substrate, whatever that is, it could be like a flexible substrate, it could just be like a, a fabric substrate or something else if you want to make a skin. But if you want to make a uh, composite material, it'll also just like penetrate a lot deeper into your substrate and make a really um, strong like brick form or whatever else it is that you're making. Yeah, absolutely. Um... So one of the things, uh, Catherine, I saw you do like a virtual talk for the Fungi Academy a while back. And um, one of the things, you know, you mentioned uh, mycomaterials being a very experimental field, but there also has been some historical or ethnomycological uses of mycelium as textiles or fabrics in the past. Um, can you talk about like some of the main examples of those? Yeah, so one of the yes i think it's really interesting that we think this is such a innovative field and it is i think we're kind of like reclaiming some uh, lost knowledge about using mushrooms and mycelium as uh, material sources there's a paper that came out um, by this uh, research group mycelia you can find it online actually you can find the pdf um, where there's a some leather pouches that were thought to be leather for a long time at a museum in Oakland, I believe. Um, eventually, they were looked under a microscope and uh, you could see all the hyphal structures there that are making up that mat, basically that leather-like material that make up, made up this pouch. And then it was uh, very recently that that happened and that was actually then classified as like a fungal mat material rather than a leather. So how many more of these like um, indigenous groups in places, this was, this was um, from a pouch that was made in Alaska, I believe by an indigenous group in Alaska. Um, and it looks a lot like leather. It's almost like really not distinguishable. So the way that they used to, um, harvest these mats to make these crafts was basically to harvest like a thick foamy mat that grows inside the bark of trees. There's like 
no light in there. It's like a high level of CO2. So that stresses out the mycelium and it creates a thick mat. And there's also some uh, pictures in that same article that you can look at to see what, um, yeah, to visualize, visualize what that looks like, because it actually looks almost like an animal hide, like a small animal hide, but it definitely does once you're able to sort of like scrape that skin out of the inside of the tree bark. And another one that maybe Jess wants to talk about is uh, Amadou, and that's another traditional craft normally um, and still done today in like Eastern Europe and Transylvania. And actually, <laughs> the, that same material that um, Catherine is speaking of uh, is actually not from the mycelium itself. It's actually from the fruiting body. So it's the, it's actually one of the strains that we work with in the lab. It's called the Formus fomentarius, or no, otherwise known as horse hoof, because it looks like a horse hoof. Um, and basically, they they remove the outer shell and they're able to extract the inside core of the, of the mushroom and manipulate it by patting it down with certain tools, stretching it out and kind of creating a sort of like suede, like uh, foamy material. Um, and I believe that that same material is what was used to make uh, Paul Stamets's famous mushroom hat. Yes, and just on that, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just gonna say, and just on that note, I didn't mention the, the um, mycelium, um, pouches from Alaska were uh, identified to be uh, agaricon fungus. So yeah, these hard woody like bracket mushrooms or conchs are really great for making mycelium like leathers, foams and that kind of suede like materials. They make a really resistant uh, bond in, within their hyphae. Yeah, that is all so interesting. And I think um, kind of a common theme that I'm learning as I do this podcast is like, yeah, these, you know, we've been using these things <laughs> for, for a long time before this whole little renaissance that we're having now. Um, and Jessica, what you mentioned about uh, using amadou at the fruiting body as opposed to um, the uh, mycelium, um, brings up a, a, an interesting question that I that I had. So I'll just segue into that. Um, so, you know, you mentioned most of your materials are using the mycelium, but um, how is it that you actually prevent mushrooms from fruiting if, uh, you know, the material hasn't progressed to where you want it? Um, so we try to keep the conditions of growth optimal for mycelium growth as opposed to for fruiting. So for example, keeping it in a dark space, um, minimizing airflow, um, and keeping temperatures quite high. I think there are moments when sometimes we get these unwanting, unwanted fruiting bodies. Um, but most, for, for the most part, like unless it's exposed to some sort of airflow or like uh, the temperature drops, we, they, they tend to stay in that sort of mycelium growth state as opposed to fruiting. Gotcha. And then another question for you, Jessica. So um, I, I know that you wrote a thesis um, on one of these topics, which had to do with 3D printed substrates. Um, I'm not gonna try and give the whole title that you gave me beforehand because I would mess it up, but <laughs> can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so actually the project was called uh, Hyperarticulated Mycomorph. This was my probably my introduction into mycelium materials um, 
dating back to 2017. And in it wasn't actually printing the substrate, even though that's something I actually wanted to do. What I ended up doing was 3D printing a PLA scaffold in which the mycelium material would be then would would not be inoculated into and the mycelium would grow um, and start to digest the scaffold, eventually leaving a digested um, form, which in this case was a, was a table, that could then be uh, thrown into the compost and completely biodegraded. At the time, I was using PLA and I didn't really realize until much later on that that wouldn't actually degrade as much as I had assumed it would. But um, the idea was then to start looking at other types of um, 3D printed filaments. So for example, there's something called Grolay, which is a filament that uses wood chips um, and it actually is uh, biodegradable. So it can be um, hydrated and then the mycelium can then use it as a food source and then eventually it would start to decompose. I do and I have uh, attempted to sort of extrude mycelium pastes in the past. There are quite a few people out there doing it more successfully than I ever have. Um, the most success I ever had with it was actually combining mycelium substrate or inoculated substrate with clay. And then we were able to achieve a really nice um, sort of refined finish. And the mycelium would then grow through and over the clay piece. Uh, it's something that if I would like to continue researching, but there's a lot of other projects happening at the same time. So I haven't really put too much time and energy into that. Yeah. And then like, I guess something we kind of glossed over at the beginning um, is I'd love to hear your two stories. Um, you know, Jessica, you talked about you getting into mycelium through your thesis or uh, mycology through your thesis. Um, so uh, I guess, where did you go from there and how did you get involved with this project? And then um, Catherine, I'll ask you the same question. So uh, my background is actually architecture and I came to Barcelona to complete a master's in architecture where we were given an opportunity to work with any material um, that we wanted. And that's where my journey into sort of the microcosmos began. I started working with bioluminescent bacteria, teaching myself how to work with living organisms became really fascinated by this world. And then my thesis supervisor at the time <clears throat> discovered that I'd like, I had started growing my own materials. Um, at that point it was a grow kit, but then he insisted I went down this route of, of mycology. And so it was very much a self-taught and frustrating process at the time because there wasn't that many resources available as Kat was saying, um, to be able to design with mushrooms or mycelium. So it was a lot of trial and error. And after that, I sort of stopped that, that practice a little bit and began working at the Fab Lab in Barcelona. Um, this is where I met Kat. I was then reintroducing myself to the world of mycology through small samples when I had free time. And Kat comes in and she's very enthusiastic about working with mycelium. And so we kind of began our, the next stage of, or at least my journey is with mushroom materials. Um, and then it's been a little bit sporadic until sort of May 2020 when Kat and I finished our Future Wardrobe. We then had a space, a physical space to actually start doing our own research here in Barcelona. And then um, 
I think because of her constant travels, um, we, we sort of had this idea of like, let's make a four day intensive workshop. We had done in the past some like single day workshops, realizing that those were not enough to really cover the full extent of working with mycelium and, and uh, micromaterials. And so we designed this course, um, did it in person very, very intensely for four days, this time last year, in fact. And as Kat was saying before, we managed to film part of the workshop and part of the, the course content during this small, this short period. Um, and it's something that we believe that, that because there's not a lot of resources out there and there's a lot of people pushing for this new research into mycelium and mycelium design, um, that we wanted to help the, the um, future students working with this material as much as we can and give them all our knowledge and resources that we had to experience sort of by ourselves and compress it into something that's more digestible and hopefully fun as well, you know, make it interesting for them. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's sort of my journey in it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you covered it so well. Um, well, yeah, so a bit of my background is in textiles and actually in fashion design. Then I worked in the costuming industry for a very long time. And being sort of like a kind of hippie at heart and making all my witchery and potions and tinctures, um, yeah, it seemed like such a disparity between my personal life, I think, and like the life that I was living using really intensive chemical processes to dye and paint costumes and um, just like, yeah, the amount of pollution that happens on film sets is really like, uh, I don't think it's very visible to the public, like people don't really know what's going on behind the scenes in that, uh, in that space. And so I wanted to start finding alternative ways to grow materials or to make new materials. And I already um, was a natural dyer. So I've been working with plant dyes and insect dyes for a long time. That was sort of, I would say, like my gateway drug into other biological uh, beings for the means of making fibers and textiles. However, in Canada, where I was living at the time, the textile industry was pretty dead. Like there was nothing that I could look into for like textile science or anything like that. So I finally found this uh, like course. Uh, actually, I found the fab labs first. The fabrication labs are like these the uh, decentralized network of labs that teach a lot of like digital fabrication, electronics and making your own machines. And that seemed interesting. I was like, hmm, maybe I can make like my own machines to make different fibers and like understand more like this technological side of things. And like serendipitously, I found out that they're also working with textiles. So there's our um, one of our mentors and friends, Anastasia, who was running the Fabric Academy. I joined her second year of that um, sort of self-guided thesis course and focused on a tentacular range of materials from algae to like scobies and kombucha to natural dyes, uh, bacterial dyes, like all kinds of uh, things that I had personally never, I have like no biology background at all. So it was like a disaster, but also uh, like a really fun learning experience. And a lot of 
learning to document and I think that shows in this course as well like it's something that I feel like I had a lot of resistance to at the time I was like oh I just want to make the thing I don't want to spend so much time taking pictures and all these notes and I I'm so thankful that that was ingrained into me so hard at that moment in time because I've been able to go back to a lot of those processes that I don't use so often anymore, especially like um, in digital fabrication or like in some electronic aspects. And I can go back and say like, oh, this is like what I was thinking or what I was doing when I was testing this material with this particular component. So. Yeah, and in that whole process, uh, Jess was assisting um, the biospace, so she was really like kind of running the biospace. There was nobody else in there, which was like an old elevator <laughs> converted into a DIY uh, bio lab. And yeah, I started to work with Jess in um, trying to make some fiber mycelium concoctions and some sculptures and things and that, yeah. All, all turned out very interestingly. <laughs> but then we kept going and, and yeah, like sporadically, like she said, because I was in and out of Spain a lot, um, we're finally able to collaborate on some more things, some more projects using mycelium and also other materials. We've also collaborated with like algae-based materials, like Jess said, with the future wardrobe and um, with some bacterial dyes. And yeah, we have a lot of little organisms that we work with. But now focusing definitely more on, on fungi. Yeah. Yeah. Our babies. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's it's such an important thing to to learn about because um the you know, the design and textile industry is can be very wasteful, especially with fast fashion and such. But um I'd love to, you know, get into the details of your course now. Um so you know, I think we can give the listeners a little taste of what you offer for each of the modules. And just to give a, a, an overview, there's four modules in the course. Um, please correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong. But uh, number one is Mycology 101 and Lab Protocols. Number two is Inoculation and Incubation. Number three is Substrates, Composites, and Membranes. And number four is Digital Fabrication, Finishes, and fungal speakers. So a lot of material um, in this course and a lot of stuff that you can't really get uh, in a lot of other places. Um, so I think if you can just go through them one by one and talk about like some of the key principles, techniques, and skills that uh, students would take away from the courses or the modules, I should say. Um, so yeah, let's start with Mycology 101 and lab protocols. Uh, can you give a little bit of an overview on that? So experience, have, working with Mycelium, um, in general, we, we do like a sort of a, a workshop where people are introduced to this material that's already pre-inoculated and they're able to sort of grow their own form. And this is kind of like a warm-up. It's like they're they're understanding what the material is and how to use it for design applications. But actually, like in order to be able to produce this material themselves, they need to know the basics. And those basics are things like agar, creating agar, liquid cultures, um, uh, sterilizing grains, uh, creating substrates, etc. And sort of the like the lab protocols, um, sterilization, 
what kind of equipment we use for sterilizing, uh, the timings, uh, like basic things, which I think as a mushroom grower, you also learn. But I think, so I think that first module basically covers sort of the same thing as what would be covered in, um, in, a, in a normal mushroom growing sort of course, right? Uh, is there anything else to that, Kat? Yeah, no, that first module is really basic introduction into the world of mycology. Because, yeah, for somebody who is coming from a design or art background, that's not something that you're acquainted with. And there's a lot of jargon in mycology. And just even if you're doing your own research, sometimes it's overwhelming to understand the differences between all of this terminology. So just getting people acquainted with what is mycelium, it sounds super basic, but people may not know what that is, right? So, and like how it works or why it's even something that you'd want to use in your designs, why it's even something that is useful to bind uh, substrates, right? Like how does that work? What are the inner workings of it? So that's module one. And then just getting like a lab setup which is also something that if you're coming from that background, you may not know. And there are just so many ways to do like DIY lab spaces and setups. And our like setups have definitely shifted a lot during the times from the times that we started till now. So just sharing a little bit about what are the basic tools and equipment that um, folks need if they want to start this practice from whatever scale and whatever space that they have. I think the first module also covers um, sort of what's existing in the industry now, right? So it's sort of like an overview of sort of the materials that are being used or the medicinal practices that um, have been used for centuries or sort of, yeah, like as Kat was saying, just an overview of the fungi world, right? Um, and which I think is very important for anyone coming into learning about mushroom materials they should definitely know about this stuff and then i was going to say and then the second module is um more lab work so actually after you've set up that space and you understand what the components are that you're working with you know like the organisms the tools the equipment um and the parameters that you need to start this work then actually doing some culture work which is not necessary for everybody who wants to work with mycelium materials. However, if you want to have more control and more autonomy over the overall uh, products or like um, the overall material that you're making, then you want to be able to choose your strain rather than just buy like a grow kit, for instance, and use that for your design. You want to be able to choose your substrate mix and um, understand why different um, substrates will give you different um, properties or different aesthetics for either the function or yeah just the like if you're doing it for like an artwork you might choose a different substrate than if you're doing like something functional like a mycelium surfboard <laughs> so um, yeah understanding how to put those components together and keep a library of your genetics of the mycelium that you're using is super important so that's what module two is i don't know if jesse you want to add anything there i think that is 
that module also covers um, documentation, or is that later on? Yeah, so as Kat was saying earlier about um, making sure that you're documenting um, the process, it's important to like label label your, your strains, label your cultures, like your, your plates, your grains, etc. And I think that's something that we we're trying to implement at that at that point of the of the course as well. Great. Um, so yeah, then jumping into uh, module three, I think that's where you know you start to see a lot of terms that you might not um, you might not know about for mushroom growing. You know, composites and membranes. I'm I'm looking at and I'm like, yeah, I sort of know what that is. But could you like give a little bit of an overview of module three as well as like some of the new terms that just a regular mushroom grower might not be familiar with? Yeah, sure. So, um, and as I mentioned earlier about composites, uh, it's basically the substrate that we're using. The, the, depending on the substrate that you're using, you can get different properties from the, the final composite of the material. Um, and so, in the in this module, we we encourage people to explore the different types of substrates that are available to them. So, for example, coffee waste or coffee beet or yeah, coffee grains as a great source, a nutrient source for the mycidium. However, if that's by itself, that maybe not be, it may maybe not be the most structurally integral material afterwards. Like the composite itself might break easily and be a little bit flaky. Um, and so we encourage people to sort of maybe add some fibers or add something that's a little bit like harder, like for example, hemp or wood chips um, or yeah, so sort of like whatever is available to them. Um, and that's sort of that's more for the composite three dimensional form making material, whereas the membrane, which um, Kat can talk a little bit more about because she's been focusing a bit more on that that area. Yeah, so a composite and, and also a membrane can be a composite. And that's sort of like the space that I've been looking at a little bit more. It basically means using the functional properties of two different materials that will complement one another and the resulting material will be uh, bettered by both of the uh, other parties or other um, components alone, right? So it's kind of like beautiful in that way to see like how they can work together to like make something that neither of them on their own could have done. And that's how I feel about like collaborating with Jess, <laughs> like we're, we're a microcomposite. <laughs> so in the membrane, <laughs> in the membrane space, um, yeah, there's lots of different ways that people have been making membranes in the more commercial ways. There are some patented, um, technologies that are not really very open source. So I can just share with you from my processes, which have been basically inoculating fibers. I think Jess is also now working on, on a project like this, inoculating fibers. Uh, so using fiber waste to um, create composite materials, especially like natural fibers, anything that is cellulose based really like let's that simple anything that is cellulose based you can basically inoculate with mycelium and it will um use that as its feedstock because for the most part the strains that we're using are all like lignocellulose decomposers so they're prepped and primed to be able to um 
use that as their food source, right? So using any natural fibers from plants to specify rather than animal fibers works really well. And then using, um, it's not necessarily an animal fiber, but it's also not a plant fiber. You can also use bacterial cellulose as a um, scaffold, which is, has been an interesting line of research that we've been doing, understanding how both of these materials, which on their own, mycelium just adds like a mycelium sheet, unless you process it with a plasticizer or something else, um, or like give it a scaffold so it's more flexible, it will dry out like a paper sheet, basically. It won't really dry uh, flexible, you won't really make like a micro leather. But if you give it another scaffold, so either like a natural fiber or you work with bacterial cellulose or you work with something else, um, like a, just a backing even, like a different kind of um, scaffolding that is not natural, that is even synthetic, that will help it um, retain its malleability because otherwise it will be quite brittle and rigid. And then bacterial cellulose um, is... It changes, has like fluctuating uh, consistency, I would say, like when it's more humid, it can trap that humidity and you think you have like a waxed and finished and beautiful material and then all of a sudden a very humid day comes along and you have like a gloop. So putting these materials together, which is um, which is not not easy and not so straightforward. I don't think this is like a practice for beginners necessarily. But um, yeah, thinking of how these two will complement each other, one will give the other flexibility and the mycelium will give like the bacterial cellulose some, some stability when it comes to um, fluctuating consistency. Very cool, yeah. Uh, definitely something that's a little bit more of an advanced technique, <laughs> it sounds like. Um, okay, so then let's talk a little bit about module four, which uh, sounds really interesting to me digital fabrication finishes and fungal futures. Um, could you just give a little bit of an overview and maybe like some uh, developments in the space uh, and what you mean by fungal futures? Um, I'll, I'll start, I'll start, yes. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> this module is basically going through different types of digital fabrication from making molds. Um, which you can 3D print or you can like vacuum form and just giving like also a step by step um, as to some of those processes and um, what are the parameters or the things that you think about when you're creating these molds is not just like 3D printing any shape and filling it with mycelium that won't work so we're going through some of those uh, specific key points that you need to keep in mind when you're designing your mold. Um, as well as just using like recycled materials. We also talk about that and um, a little bit about making paste, like as Jess was, um, as Jess was talking about earlier, um, different types of paste that you can make for extruding materials or working with Grole, which uh, we have worked a little bit with. So we have, we show uh, the process of working with Grole. It's also, not so um, easy, but it's possible to do. And if you have a 3D printer, and this is something that is like exciting for you to think about injecting your 3D printed pieces with mycelium, 
then um, yeah, we go through like a step-by-step -step process of how to do that as well. And, um, and then fungal futures, uh, just like an overview of things that are happening in the fungal uh, material space that are maybe like speculative or they're not so like commercially available right now, but research that people are doing that is interesting and that is inspirational, I think, for also students of design and architecture and fashion and whatever else to just be inspired to see what research is possible, because I think this is a heady topic, although in experimental, but it's also like some of the processes of the commercial products are so close source. So it's also um, being able to give people a bit of insight into some research papers and research uh, projects that they can, um, yeah, that they can look into to get a little bit more inspiration to start their own processes and their own projects. Awesome. Um, well, it sounds really awesome. And uh, I'm, I'm all for, um, you know, accessibility and, and making these sorts of things. I personally haven't seen anywhere else that you can find this type of material. Uh, so what, what, what comes next for the course? You know, I, I know that um, Catherine, you mentioned it's uh, just, uh, it's almost finished um, uploading the entire course. Ooh. So students can start that. Yeah, very exciting. Um, what, so what's the plan? Like, where do you go from here? So what we have planned and why we're like pushing to put this out now, because as we mentioned, it's been a while and we're both busy with other projects as well. But um, yeah, we want to kind of coincide with design schools and kind of like we have, you know, a community of designers and makers that we can reach out to, especially starting in Barcelona, where we both were kind of doing this work together, but then reaching out into other um, places. We're just wanting to start with like those spaces that we know, but obviously this is online and digital and accessible for anybody anywhere working with these materials. Yeah, and we've also been working on a guidebook, which is complementary to the to the course itself. Um, I think you, you can purchase this separately. And it's actually something that we're really excited about. It's sort of started off uh, as something that was just like information, information, but now it's become something that is actually quite, quite beautiful. Um, and we will be finishing that hopefully by by this by this month. Um, and that will also be available to purchase online. But I think the future of fungal matters, I think we're constantly learning and growing in our own practices. And so we definitely hope to be able to meet again in person sometime soon to be able to record some more things because it's as we're learning, we want to be sharing that that knowledge or that new game knowledge with other people. Right. Um, and I think also you know, um, sharing knowledge through our Instagram handle, um, uh, different reels, things like that. We want to keep growing our community um, and sharing our, our knowledge and experiences with mushroom, with the mushroom world. Excellent. Well, yeah, I'll, I will definitely link um, to the Instagram and 
uh, and the guidebook if it is out by the time this episode gets published. Um, I've got a bit of a backlog of, of episodes that I need to edit. <laughs> the editing process, the, this part is fun. The editing process, I mean, it can also be fun, but it's time consuming. So um, I will definitely yeah. let you guys know Yeah, when, when, when the episode is, is out and potentially the, the guidebook might be out by then as well. Um, so yeah, is there like you you've mentioned there's other projects that you guys are working on. Is there anything interesting? Doesn't have to be like related to micro materials, but anything that you want to talk about or just like any other projects you're working on? Well, I'm actually working on a, a mushrooms material surfboard. Um, this is a project that was brought to both Kat and I in, in August 2020. And unfortunately, because Kat's always traveling, we weren't able to do it together, but she's always been there to guide me through the process. Um, and so far, we've got to a point where we've made like a half of a full scale, full scale board. And uh, we've tested it out in the water. This is without any sort of um, any resin or any coating. And it floats and it's survived. And this is really exciting for us. But there's been a lot of challenges because we've been working in a lab which is limited in space and capacity to inoculate and grow a lot of material. Um, and so we're trying to work around that because obviously this uh, full scale surfboard blank requires a lot of material to grow. Um, and so we, we've managed to get some funding and we're looking for some further funding to be able to eventually find a space that we can grow enough material to be producing these things or to be growing these things um, on a regular basis. But as far as the project is now, I'm hoping that we will have a full prototype grown by the end of October with then the surf shaper being able to shape it and, <laughs> and um, test that out in the waters with real surfers, with mechanical testing and all of that. Um, to then be able to uh, give some feedback for the next iteration of the surfboard. So that's one of the projects, which is a very exciting one for me, but then I'm also working on another project um, similar to what Kat was talking about with the membranes, but this is using uh, textile waste as a, as a substrate. So working on, <laughs> working on creating a membrane using textile waste as a feed source. Awesome. Yeah. And the, the surfboard is such a cool project because, um, you know, the, the materials typically used in surfboards are definitely not the most easy to break down and pretty bad for the environment. So it's really cool to be seeing, you know, I feel like the surfing community is definitely going to be receptive to that. Um, once it hopefully is, is complete, um, is is there was there anything else while you were working on your substrate or, or should we move on to Catherine? Uh, um and now I think I think I, <laughs> yeah so yeah basically that's the project that I'm working on we're developing a series of um hopefully hats or accessories using a a skin like material from mycelium with the um textile fiber, waste fibers. So the idea is that we're using um, the mechanism of, of like the mycelium growing through the fibers, but it's also trying to decompose the, um, the synthetic fibers ingrained in within the textile waste. So it's, 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 like a, it's a research exploration 
that uses a, a type of strain of mushroom that is able to potentially digest synthetic um, fibers. So it's, yeah, it's, this is, we're not quite there yet, but this is the, um, hopefully where we're going with it. And this is, this, sorry, I should probably mention the people that I'm working with as well. Um, the surfboard project, I'm working with Roberto Brosse and Natural from Pat Institute and Ryan Davidson here in Barcelona. And then I'm also working on the uh, Pure Hyphae project, which is the mycelium with textile waste with um, Anna. And I can't say her surname, so I don't want to say it. <laughs> we can cut that bit out, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can also give you links and stuff to to everyone if that's sure. the kind of thing that you do. And what about you, Catherine? Anything exciting you want to talk about? Yeah, for sure. Um, not so much in the fungal space. Well, here, yes, I'm now living in San Cristóbal de las Casas, Chiapas, in Mexico, and I am collaborating with Mama Funga. That so unfortunately, Catherine's audio seemed to cut out here for the rest of the episode. Um, luckily, there's not too much you missed. Um, she talks a little bit about her collaboration with Mama Funga, which I'll link in the show notes. And she also talks about a Myco leather research project that she's working on. And um, I'll also link an article about that in the show notes. So apologies, Catherine, for um, not letting you speak to your new projects, but uh, hopefully the listeners got a, a good taste. All right. Exciting. Wow. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you two are working on some really awesome projects and I will definitely be following along um, as you progress. So, uh, yeah. And then, um, you know, just for the listeners, uh, the I'm actually just I'm not going to say when it's going to be out because I have no idea when the episode's going to be out. I'll add that in at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Michael Materials Design Course should be out by um, the time this episode gets published. And um, that's about all that I had. So Catherine and Jessica, thank you so much for joining the podcast. And um, I'll let you know when everything's uploaded. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. folks that is a wrap on episode six thank you all for tuning in and thank you to Catherine and jessica for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge um super interesting talk that i had with them um yeah i don't really have much else i guess if you are interested in reading if you're a reader um i'll give you a little sneak preview of my list of the top books i read this year there are uh, 37 total so far that I've read and should be closer to 40 by the end of the year. Um, but my top five I will give you as a sneak preview. You're welcome. The Dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin was number one. Fantastic book. Just 
incredible. I want to read it again very soon. You can read my thoughts in detail on the blog post if you'd like. Um, Open Water by Caleb Azuma Nelson. Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr. He's the guy that wrote, um, what's it called? All the Light We Cannot See, which won a Pulitzer Prize, but I actually haven't read that one. <laughs> Four was Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler. And five was Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. Um, so yeah, lots of excellent books I read this year. You can read all my thoughts on all, not all of them, but on I think the top 10 I put, I put at least a paragraph on. Um, so yeah, uh, that's my little, that's my gift to you all. You get my top five. You don't even have to read the blog posts. Um, <laughs> and you probably don't even care. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking because I feel like I always ramble at the end of these things. Um, but that's just because I'm in a silly, goofy mood. So come at me. Um, okay, bye bye.